This is a podcast where we break down every episode of The Mandalorian as it releases on Disney+. Plus. You have been warned. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of This is the Waycast. I'm Sarah Edwards, the resident Star Wars writer for Boardwalk Times. I'm Elizabeth Pfeiffer, the senior editor of Boardwalk Times. I'm Giovanni Delgadillo, a columnist at the Boardwalk Times. And I'm Zach Perlstein, the editor-in-chief at the Boardwalk Times. Today we're going to be talking about the seventh episode of season two of The Mandalorian, The Believer, where Mando, Fett, and Shand team up with Migs Mayfield to get the child back from Moff Gideon. Now, you know, we talked a lot about how the last episode was kind of just like, kind of a straight line in this show or in this season. I was really refreshed by this episode, especially because we just got a, it was just kind of a nice, to me, it felt like a filler episode but in a good way. I agree with that statement. It was definitely a filler episode, but it's getting us one step closer to getting Grogu back. One thing I noticed right when the credits came on is this is kind of the first episode where Grogu isn't in this at all. Because even in chapter one, at the very beginning, the child is introduced at the very end. He, you know, We see his little hand come out of the cradle, but he's still in it. This is the first episode where he's not in it at all all i was very distraught by this i was watching it this morning with my dad and when we saw moff gideon i was like okay now child and then it ended and we were like what yeah like i thought we were gonna see that experimentation or what they've been doing to him all this time or at least just like a quick glimpse like i thought we were gonna see something and then no we just saw gideon who is starting to look kind of afraid like he's starting to get on his toes like i need to watch my back right now Yeah, he's been so confident this entire time. And then after getting that message from Mando, he's looking a little worried. He should be. Yeah, the same message he gave to Mando in season one. So it just gets repeated right back at him. Yeah, I felt the same way as you guys. I was like, oh, man, they're actually trying to make you feel like the loss of Grogu, like that he's not in this episode. So I thought that was a really smart choice. Um, The quick thing I want to get out of the way is Rick Famuyiwa was my favorite director in this entire series because of his style because he's clearly a gigantic Indiana Jones fan because um he directed chapter two and there was a reference to La- the last crusade in that and then this just looked straight out of Raiders of the Lost Ark um and also so his episodes are all gonna have giant vehicles and uh and Mayfeld in them I guess so cool this episode, I really grew to respect Mayfield a little bit more because when we first saw him, I was like, haha, this dude's funny. He's sarcastic, but I, I didn't really think much of his character. But with this one, especially when we were in that little cantina scene, like, first of all, the second he sat down, sat, like this man's going to ruin it. I already know that he's going to ruin this whole plan. But, you know, he was the way he was talking about all of the past Empire raids and all the people that they've hurt, like, that was the first time we've really kind of seen him get vulnerable like oh do you think this raid was good for all those people who died or like what about the men who served alongside us and were killed was it good for them like I that was a really like that was a great scene we've never seen him break down like that if that makes sense also something that I thought was really cool was the guy that they were talking to that Mayfield shot said something about order and I was like oh oh we're already getting yes. some sprinkles of what's to come. That, I mean, there's so much we can say about that scene. Um, but the uh, one thing I want to mention, like for nerd, like lore nerds, is that uh, 
Bill uh, Burr specifically says Operation Cinder, which is from Battlefront 2. Um, and that has to do with uh, the Emperor destroying all the giant, like, Imperial controlled planets, like the ones that are like literally just Imperial people living there. Um, so what he was saying about, oh, we lost all these people, blah, blah, blah. Um, it kind of shows you the gravity of like, you know, the Empire killing itself uh, after, you know, the events of Return of the Jedi. So it's pretty interesting because um, it ends up being the kind of like thing that motivated Mayfeld to leave the Empire. Um, at least that's what's insinuated, especially by the end of the scene as he gets more and more, you know, interested or angry i guess and this goes into my next question so speaking of destroying when mando and mayfield are in that vehicle going to the headquarters mayfield talks about how he talks about alderaan and he talks about mandalore and then he says they both don't exist anymore what happened to mandalore what like it, it was it was standing it was still there did it did it also get destroyed like what happened to it <laughs> So I have two takes on that. My immediate reaction was, okay, this is just him regurgitating a false belief, uh, like a false narrative, because uh, I'm pretty sure Bo-Katan was like, don't believe everything you hear um, when man, or because Mando believed that it was destroyed. Um, and it could just be like, you know, Imperial propaganda. And this dude, um, Mayfeld doesn't know any better either. So that's it. that was my immediate reaction um but the other reaction is maybe the plan has been scorched like not like decimated like alderaan but you know there's been a bunch of wars and whatnot i mean if if moff gideon is a dark saver clearly something went down i love like the i love mayfield first off i think bill burr is a fantastic actor and i love the comedy he brings to star wars because like we've seen comedy in star wars in the past but like i really feel like he's like very hilarious and somewhat meta with his humor throughout like the Mandalorian. But I always, I found it funny that he brought up Alderaan and then Mandalore. And I think he was just more messing with Mando because Mando obviously was one of the reasons why he ended up being in that prison for so long. So it's like, I feel like he was just messing with Mando until like their connection grew better throughout the episode. I can see that. But also just something I've noticed from what I've seen with Bo-Katan is she doesn't leave Mandalore. Like she never leaves the system. If she does, it's usually to go get help from somebody. But other than that, she's usually always stayed on Mandalore. So that's where I'm just kind of like, did they actually get rid of the planet? Because, you know, I understand she wants to get the Darksaber back. But for the most part, it seemed like she would try and find a way to like, bring people to Mandalore instead of leaving because like I said she she just never leaves like when she comes in in the Mandalorian this is at least my first time that I've seen her not in the area so that, that's just a weird nerd thing from me but I hope I hope Mandalore is okay that's one of my favorite planets <laughs> so in doing uh some more like refreshing yesterday um to catch up for the rest of the season I ended up re-watching the first episode of the last arc in the clone wars um where bo-katan um and ahsoka show up to visit anakin and obi-wan and what was really interesting was mandalore as a planet itself is already like in super huge disarray in that entire series um i had forgotten a lot of 
some of the sub stuff that had happened between then and rebels and then now so i don't know that that's it's gonna be insane to think about when the time comes uh if they ever go to mandalore which okay i think we should mention it uh we, we need to talk about boba fett because man he was rocking that clean armor that was sick he stepped out and it was like he got his armor repainted and clean like he he's not fooling around anymore he was looking very spiffy that's that's the word i have for it um but he didn't keep the armor on the entire episode which i was a little surprised at yeah this dude i'm glad that they're giving him the respect he deserves that's all i'm gonna say tomorrow morrison gets all my attention I still love reading. I remember I read somewhere where Tamora Morrison was so excited to be back on Star Wars that he showed up to his call time two hours before. And I was like, that's such a wholesome thing, man. He was ready. Oh, I love that. I joked yesterday that now that he's back, they they made up the Bad Batch just to keep D. Bradley Baker employed doing Tamora Morrison impersonations <laughs> at Disney. So I kind of wanted to bring this up. Um, but we talked about Migs Mayfield being a prisoner for the Alliance now. This is probably one of the first times that we get an idea of what prisoners on the Rebellion slash the Alliance side really do. Because, um, you know, it seems like we're always seeing prisoners for the Separatists or for the Empire or the New Order. We always see what their prison system looks like. And now we kind of saw this one where everyone looks less miserable they actually have clothes that aren't tattered i mean this is just a super small thing to note but i don't know it was just kind of interesting to see the other side and how they treat their prison system compared to like the others i feel like in this episode we got a good look at sides of each side that we haven't seen so like we were in the empire and we were chilling and hanging out and people were saluting each other and they felt so proud that they had made their transport over and then with um the new republic we saw that prisoner side usually we're on the side of the new republic so we only see like those characters and like human beings but we saw those human beings on the side of the empire can i just bring up real quick like how crazy it was that those stormtroopers were actually accurately shooting the pirates when the pirates were trying to invade the base and they actually like like i noticed that right away i was like wow all the stormtroopers actually connected this time yeah that seemed their shots oh yeah (laughs) you know that 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 was straight up um the, the attack on the dam was giving me serious halo 3 vibes because that planet looks so much like africa like is that okay that was something i thought was awesome is like i complained about the planet last week and it's like here's two awesome looking planets this week i was like wow okay thanks because um i'm a sucker for jungles and uh red you know red mud red clay whatever so that was abundant in this episode the whole vibe was oh man it was so cool um plus the music whenever the empire came in and heroically saved the day felt so weird it was like really like awesome sounding like yeah go empire music (laughs) it's like what well like mayfield said it's like the one time that you're actually glad to see stormtroopers and i kind of felt that relief like oh thank goodness (laughs) yes i have never been excited to see them i was so nervous and i okay 
I want to hear your guys' opinion on this. When Mando was, I don't know, my dad said that he was standing his ground. I don't know if he was giving up when all of those pirates came before the stormtroopers. He like put his arms up and I was like, what is he trying to do? My first thought was like, he's trying to use the force. But I, I think that that theory that my brain came up with is so wrong. But I was very confused as to what he was doing. And I think he got injured, too, because his armor isn't uh, his regular armor. When he put his hands up, it reminded me of Steve Rogers, the whole, like, I can do this all day thing. Like, keep it coming. That's all I thought of. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think of that. And I love Steve Rogers so much. Zach, big brain. I'm going to consider that what that was about now. Buzz Lightyear Rogers. Woo-woo. Yes, we will be talking about Disney Investor Day toward the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, that, that scene, I also was like, okay, this is his last stand or what's going on? Also, that was something cool about the scene was his armor, like, he's so used to Beskar that when he's fighting with the, like, crappy Stormtrooper armor and it's getting blown to pieces, he has to rethink his strategy, like, mid-fight, which is very cool. Yes, and another thing, the Stormtrooper guns, I didn't realize that you had to, like, reload them. I have never seen that. And so when it stopped shooting, I was like, what? That made the scene more intense because it meant more fist fighting and less him just blasting everyone to smithereens. Plus, there was a shot that impressed me. This is why I'm telling you. I, I just love Rick Fomoiwa. Like, this dude is awesome. Where he's shooting out the side window, and then the camera goes into the front panel of the... um the juggernaut and then it follows mando as he exits like this little manhole thing and i was like whoa what like that's so cool because the entire thing is seamless and then it transitions into the fight so yeah i I really loved all that stuff one question i had was when mayfield took off his helmet you know he was saying like they'll either recognize me or they'll sense that i'm here he never really put his helmet back on and it was just kind of like dude you could have solved a few problems if you just threw the helmet back on. I know it's hot and it's not comfortable, but like some of these issues could have at least been subsided if he just put it back on. You know who took off their helmet and then put it back on? Our boy Mando. Oh my gosh. I was not expecting him to actually take off his helmet, but he had it off for a long time. He had it off for longer than I expected him to. I was surprised that he didn't immediately put it back on after he was done with that console thing. Like he kept it on for a while. And I don't know if this is true. I could be spreading fake news. My dad was saying that Pedro Pascal was in a conflict with Disney because he wants to like obviously show his face. Is that something that's true or just chatter? I believe that's just chatter. Um, Yeah, no, that scene, I knew it was coming as soon as they mentioned his face, like near the beginning of the episode. I'm like, okay, so this is the episode where he's going to have to come to grips with that. Uh, But when you do start to think about it, it's like, yeah, a lot of the problems could have been solved because once they get going with this Imperial officer guy, you realize that he doesn't recognize Mayfeld at all, which was the original concern. And I'm like, what if this dude just trolled Mando into getting his helmet off just because he was curious i mean it's never like obvious so i don't think that's the case at all but i was like i wouldn't put it past this guy um but he does respect mando in the end and he's like hey you did what you had to do i'm not gonna say anything well my thought after that kind of went to you know that it said they were gonna do the facial scanner 
And if he has been a prisoner, then they obviously have a facial scan of Mayfield's face. No one really has a facial scan of Mando's face. Well, they do now, but they don't realize it's him. So that could create another issue. Like in the end of the episode, when Mando's message was coming up, I thought that this was going to be where they're like, we have a we have a facial scanning of who we think the Mandalorian is. That's where I thought that was going. And then it was actually a message from Mando. And I was like, oh, okay, his identity is still safe. Um, but now he's, he, I'm sure he's probably kind of like on his toes because he's like, Mayfield knows what I look like now. And he's seen me in other armor and he knows what my armor looks like. So I don't know if Mayfield's going to really do anything with that because they let him go. He's not a prisoner anymore, but I don't know. That's just something I'm keeping in the back of my mind. It's like, oh, well, something could happen here. Yeah, he was so hesitant about taking off his helmet last season. He almost didn't for a droid. So this was a very big step. My thinking is that after talking to Bo-Katan and her being like, hey, you're part of an extremist group. Maybe he's starting to rethink what he's doing because he obviously was very nervous but he did it regardless and i think he also had that motivation of i need to get grogu back but yeah also brown eyes so funny he was i love that so much he was such a lost puppy the entire time he looked so sad like like he was trying so hard not to like feel completely broken in the inside while the entire thing is going on and something I saw this on Facebook, somebody was like, when we don't have to wear masks anymore, we're going to be making very weird faces because we can do whatever we want with like our mouths and our noses when we're covered. So I, I was thinking about this in Mando's case, like he's making very good facial expressions and being like, no, don't, don't say anything. And I was like, if I have had my face covered for years and years, I would just be making all these wacky faces. But obviously it was intense situation. Mayfield also just kind of really, I knew that Mando was going to have to take his mask off also when Mayfield was bringing up the question, like, what's the regulation? You can't take, you can't show your face or you can't take your helmet off, I believe is what it was. Because that, that brought up an interesting question. I don't think we really had an idea. We just kind of figured that Mando can't show his face as like a duty to the armor and to the Mandalorians. So that just brought up a question that like Mando really hadn't talked about that much. He kind of just brought it up. And Mando didn't have an answer to that question either. So I think that made it a little easier for him to actually end up taking off his helmet. I kind of wanted to go into how we get more Slave One action. Like when Slave One is flying away from those uh, TIE fighters and he uh, Boba releases that little sonic boom bomb. The second that floated away, I was like, attack of the clothes, here we go. And then I was just waiting for the... <laughs> with those two ships, I was like, yeah. I just get a weird satisfaction when I hear that noise. Yeah, that why. is one of the most like sought after sounds in Star Wars for the fans. Like when Battlefront 2 was announced to have um, Slave 1 as a like flyable ship, immediately people were like, it better have the, and then they just showed it off because they know what the people want, has the sonic boom bombs. Because that was, as soon as the they showed the back of the ship, I was like, no way no way and then then it actually happened like i think it actually screamed when that happened like <laughs> that was so epic i was like they're doing it yeah boba didn't really have a big role in this episode he was kind of very much a side character but he he was full-on action there man like he was flying the ship he gave us some throwbacks to 
prequels, Slave One. And oh, it was so nice to see. Also, this is kind of one of the first times where we really see the inside of Slave One through a live action perspective. Because we kind of saw a little bit of it in Attack of the Clones when Django and Boba are flying away. And then in Clone Wars, we see the inside as well. But we kind of just, we get an idea of how Slave One actually flies. Because it, it's just got like the, the weird, you know, you're flat when it lands and then it just basically turns back upward to fly away. So I, it was just cool to see the inside. Oh yeah, that, that I thought that was mind blowing. They could tell they did that in the volume because the background is rotating as they're flying. Uh, that was so cool. It was really unique and it makes logical sense. Like in the Star Wars, you're just like, why would you want to be in a ship where you're like vomiting the whole time? So yeah, that was that was really cool. There was just little things like that in this episode, um, like universe things. At the beginning, I was actually confused for a second. I thought it was an Imperial security droid. Uh, when it ended up being for the New Republic. So I think that was supposed to be obvious from season one, but I guess I never caught it because the leg design is pretty much identical. So it's just like repurposed security droids or like the Republic version. Um, very interesting because I was like, oh, this looks like a K2S. Oh, it's not. Okay, never mind. I guess not. I have to wait for Andor for that. For a moment, I thought it was going to be one of the dark troopers. And I was like, oh, oh, no, what are they doing now? Are they going to get Mayfield before we can get Mayfield? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no, no. A lot of this episode was me like, oh, my gosh, are they going to do that? Oh, no, they're doing this. OK, we're fine. I just came to the realization that them having these prisoners here is like the direct opposite to um, the stuff you see in a bunch of the concept art for the new shows and in Jedi Fallen Order when they're taking apart old republic stuff and now they're doing the same thing to the empire um that's pretty interesting and it makes it more you know or it makes the empire trying to start the first order with new resources kind of make more sense um that's pretty interesting yeah my mind is still reeling about the fact that there is so much of the empire that is still in the universe like after episode six, we thought Empire's gone. Like anyone who's with the Empire is now just like, well, we got no, we got no master. We got no admiral. And now it's just like, they're rebuilding again. It's my mind is still blown about that. I think the line of this episode in particular, and it speaks to your point, Sarah, about like how like the Empire is like so big and so vast is when uh, they're trying to figure out who's going to go on this mission. And then Boba Fett is like, they might recognize my face. I thought that was like the greatest line in the episode, but it's a good point. Like, yeah, they would. But it's like, the, I hope they explore upon that line more in future episodes. Yeah, because Boba did jobs for the Empire. He did jobs for Darth Vader. So I'm pretty sure his, at least his armor would be recognized like, oh, hey, you're still around. <laughs> Liz has a Darth Vader mask that she's putting on. This also reminds me of something I saw, and this is like completely unrelated, but I saw something on the internet where it was like a fan theory of why Darth Vader kept Boba Fett around, and it was because Boba Fett has the same voice as Rex and all the other clones, and so he kept Boba Fett around just to kind of still be able to hear the voice. <laughs> Makes me emotional every time I think about it, but it makes so much sense so i actually wanted to mention that because this is what i thought zach would be talking about um but i'm pretty sure what he meant by face was the fact that he's one of the last remaining clones 
Um, I I didn't think about that until after I watched the episode. I just thought, oh, okay, haha, yeah, he's recognizable. But then I was like, wait a minute, face specifically his face. That's right, that's right. He's a clone, and uh, that would have been obvious. So they see him and they're like, wait a minute, hold up, this guy looks familiar. Um, yeah, that that I thought was really cool because he he just kind of mentions it as an aside, um, and they don't question it. But what's interesting is they seem to be focusing a lot now after the Clone Wars on the clones specifically with this Bad Batch series that we're going to be seeing, um, which we'll talk about uh, at the end. But yeah, I really like that little tiny connection. I don't know why it didn't click when I was watching it. I was like, oh, duh, he's a clone. I still have a hard time associating Boba with the clones. I mean, he shows up in the Clone Wars and I won't talk about that story arc for Liz and Zach who are watching the Clone Wars right now, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, Django and Boba are clones. Django is the where the clones come from. They're his DNA. And Boba is technically just a child clone that Django decided to take under his wing. Like I've I've always had problems remembering, yes, Boba is a clone. So I didn't think about that either. He really is one of the last clones. So on the topic of Boba, uh, I want to talk about the side characters in general in this episode because it, it is a more you know, like fillery episode. So it makes me think that he's going to be a series regular or he's actually going to survive. I didn't think he would, but if they were trying to get us to believe that, you know, um, or care for his death, if, if it was to happen or something, they would have probably shown him more in this episode or like, had him bond more with Mando, but instead we got Mayfeld, which to me, this is what I wanted to talk about earlier. That felt like set up for Rangers of the New Republic. Every his interaction with Cara Dune, that just felt like they're gonna make this guy one of those like redeemed Imperials, which is very typical now. Um, so I was like, yeah, he's totally gonna be in that show, isn't he? Because they don't just redeem a character like Mayfeld um, and not bring him back. And then we got some Fennec Shand and Cara Dune action, and that almost made me think. Could could Fennec be a, a ranger at some point as well? Like, it's pretty interesting. I don't think so. Um, I think she's going to stick to bounty hunting. But I thought that was a cool moment where it's like, this is the kind of stuff you're going to expect in that show. Whereas Cassian Andor is going to be more about the dirty, like, grungy side of the rebellion doing, like, you know, morally reprehensible acts. I feel like Rangers in the Republic is going to be like the yeah, we, we, we're good because the New Republic freaking sucks. So... <laughs> We're, we're uh, you know, space coughs or something. So we'll see. The, the logo for that show looks a lot like the freaking Buzz Lightyear logo to me. So I mean, Buzz is a space ranger. So exactly. And there was a show like a cartoon literally called something space ranger. So and that was a great show. Yes, it was. It was, it was put, fantastic. Put respect on Buzz Lightyear's name. Buzz Lightyear is great. Buzz Lightyear. Oh, yeah. We're not bashing Buzz here. Yeah, he's my Not in man. this household. Yeah. Well, with that, why don't we just go into all of the news that was revealed to us yesterday at Disney Investor Day? Like, I was sitting in this room watching, and the entire time Kathleen Kennedy was listing projects, I was just over here hypoventilating, just like, oh my gosh, there's so much happening. <laughs> okay, I want to hear all what, I'm going to say that again. I want to hear what you all are most excited about. Kenobi and the Bad Batch, hands down. Oh, man. But before, before the presentation, I would have said any, like, 
anything but the Bad Batch after the presentation. Bad Batch, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, like, Bad Batch kicks ass. Like, oh, my God. I was so happy. Like, it's literally just, the, they know it's a Clone Wars sequel when at the end of the trailer, the Clone Wars title burns away. I was like, that is sick. And then, like, when they said it would show the fall of the Republic, I honestly kind of thought they would just do another you know original trilogy era show and that that was getting kind of like annoying but then seeing that it's literally showing the fall of the republic and it's going to show them like at the tail end of the clone wars i was like that is awesome that's something we've never seen before because we always see like four years after the end of the clone wars and stuff like that but this is a direct sequel um and it looks incredible it's just star wars season or clone wars season eight because of the animation style so yeah i'm all on board and Fennec Shan's in it, which is why I had to mention her as a possible, you know, continuing character because I thought that was so cool. Someone even said, what if they show how she became, you know, like uh, wanted by the ISV um, and to some capacity because she mentions it in this episode. She's like, oh, I can't be seen because I'm wanted by the ISV. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no. Bad Batch ahsoka and kenobi were like my big takeaways but all the new stuff too um yeah no i, I could overreact to that all day but <laughs> my my biggest ones by far is kenobi because our boy hayden christensen is coming back as darth vader they better visit padme's tomon you know that would be incredible sequence uh but the other three things i'm excited for i'm gonna go really quick Lando we don't know much about it but it's gonna be an event series and hopefully we get Billy D Williams and Donald Glover in that series then the Acolyte which is going to take place during the fall of the High Republic which we're just starting to learn things about and then my third most anticipated one it's not for Disney plus it's for theaters which is a shock but you know a welcome shock for me Patty Jenkins the Wonder Woman director is going to be directing Rogue Squadron for Lucasfilm and that's insane because I guess her father was a fighter pilot too so this is going to be a great I, I can't wait these projects look incredible and investor day I think Disney just knocked it out of the park yeah I was very very pleased um the one thing that I was surprised um so it looks like instead of what people were predicting of a trilogy it looks like we're getting a uh, standalone movies for each of those dates that we have so I assume Taika's comes out, you know, way after um, Patty Jenkins since he's so busy right now. But, but man, I was like, what? What? They're not gonna mention like Ryan Johnson or anything. Like he he was supposed to write a trilogy. So I thought that was interesting. I guess you know like fan backlash and also that guy is busy with Knives Out because um, he's starting a new franchise with that, which is cool. I actually really appreciate that. But yeah, I was like. That was the one thing where I was like, huh, interesting. They just don't talk about him at all. But everything else was like epic, like mind-blowing. I was like, okay, uh, like Andor looks way cooler than I ever expected. Um, and the fact that they're really selling hard on this whole, it's a spy series. I'm like, okay, so this is Disney Plus's version of Jack Ryan. <laughs> I am so excited for Andor because I love spies. I, like, me too, I, you have no idea. I, I have like no words about how excited I am for that. And I'm also really excited about the Acolyte because I love me a good thriller. Like, oh, it's just going to be so good. And then obviously I am so excited for Kenobi, especially because Hayden Christensen is going to come back as Vader. It's going to be so good. I 
the hype is real. The hyperspace is real. Aha, get it? Hyperspace lane is crowded with excitement, man. The second they said, I I had heard that from a few like scoopers and their shows that Hayden was going to come back, but we didn't know like how he would be coming back. You know, there was speculation that he'd be coming back um, in like an episodic way to where Anakin and Obi-Wan before episode three. But now that we know that he's coming back as Darth Vader, I mean, they're really going to be playing on our emotions. <laughs> Someone had kind of leaked a photo or I think it was like a little snippet of the video that was shown to the investors, which I'm really mad about that we didn't get to see, but it's fine. Um, where Darth Vader was kind of like looking over what looked like Obi-Wan's shoulder. And it's just, <sighs> I need 2022 to come fast. I'm so ready. We also even got a logo revealed. Like we got the first, uh, we got the first logo and intro and there's lots of sand. <laughs> I just realized that uh, that didn't. Okay, that, that makes me feel stupid. Uh, you just said sand, and I was like, "Duh, Tatooine." Why didn't that click when I was watching? It? I just assumed it looked His nice and mysterious. Faded in and out with yeah. sand. That's the yeah. first thing I noticed when they revealed that. I was like, <laughs> "They're pretty much just trying to take a little yeah, dump on Anakin." I, with yeah, that. <laughs> I can't believe that did not click. Like that should have been obvious. I, I just saw, "Ooh, cool logo." I didn't like cool fade in. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Because every single logo is hiding something. Like the Acolyte, it's like, ooh, the Sith. That's so cool. And then freaking Lando is just his outfit from the end of uh, Solo. And then, like I mentioned earlier, New Republic is the New Republic badge that um, Cara Dune has. And then Ahsoka's, I thought that was the coolest one. I'm telling you, that one, that just says so much about where they're going with that show. Um and so to my understanding, Dave Filoni is writing the entire thing, which is awesome. Um, so we don't know much else about it. And it's also the mini series. So it's not going to be like a continue, continuing thing, which I think is probably for the best. Because like I said, I still want to see more Ahsoka animation because that'd be cool. Like, like a longer series with Sabine and Ezra and her and stuff. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess. So guys, next week, it's our season finale for this is the way cast and obviously it means it's the season finale of the mandalorian so i have to ask you all what do you think is going to happen in the season finale i i'm lost for words i actually i thought i knew what was going to happen but you know keeping an open mind now so i want to hear your guys' thoughts after not seeing grogu today i don't know what's going to happen my worst fear is that they will be separated the entire season break. It would make for good television, but it would make us all very sad. It's hard to say because I have a feeling Mando is going to get to Grogu and they might be able to rescue him. But I feel like the Empire will be like, well, we did what we needed to with him. So, yeah, take him back, whatever. Like, or they might all try to kill him. Um, one thing I noticed is season one kind of ended on a cliffhanger, but not really. It it resolved in a really great way to where you're excited for season two, but it wasn't like, oh my God, what did that mean? So I'm almost wondering if they're going to leave this season on a cliffhanger because this whole past season, season two has been ending on a cliffhanger or a really high note of like, what does this mean for next week? Um, I also just feel like 
each episode is like a hype up for the season finale that I kind of forgot that the season finale was already next week. I was kind of like, we got a long way to go. Like, where's this all going to resolve? But then it's like, wait, that it, it, we got to figure it out by next week. So I don't know. I think we're definitely going to see Mando collide with Moff Gideon. I think we're definitely going to see Mando in a way be reunited with Grogu and my heart will absolutely melt if that happens. But I have a feeling whatever they needed with Grogu, they got what they needed and now it's going to be a matter of like, Will we see Pedro Pascal's face again? I don't know about next episode, but I'm kind of figuring, I had this theory when we started this season that we're going to see his face at least once a season. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. Well, at least this time his face wasn't all burnt because remember in season one, like his face, like he was all sweaty and IG-11 was like trying to fix him up. So at least this time he actually got to show his face. So I have a, a whole big thing with this uh, last episode because um, so it seems to me like you can't really predict what's going to happen in the series except for based on whatever they say before. But in the actual episodes themselves, it seems to be whenever John Favreau writes them, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's just kind of like crazy stuff. But with this episode, there were a lot of setups and payoffs. But that was also because this is the first time Rick Van Leewa has ever written for this series. So that's why I'm interested if the beginning of the next episode will kind of give us hints at what the end of the episode could be. Because, for example, in season one, it became increasingly obvious that IG-11 was going to sacrifice himself um, even before the scene where he, you know, mentions the idea because they had set it up earlier in the season when he's like constantly trying to blow himself up, which is pretty funny. But with this, um, this series or this season, it's like more up in the air. Um, the only thing we can kind of, justifiably say is that we might get the appearance of some sort of Jedi tease like at the end of the episode to you know cliffhanger to season three but other than that I mean all we're getting is the opposite of season one Mando's coming after Moff Gideon not the other way around oh one thing we're definitely seeing for sure is some fight scene with the dark troopers that's obvious like that's gonna happen so and Moff Gideon's gonna fight Din with the Beskar spear though so those are two like those are clearly going to be set up. So, but what's interesting to me is this is like instead of this being the Mando and his and his uh, crew of like ragtag guys, it's Mando and his crew of like badasses and and it's Slave One. Like uh, that's just cool. Like this feels like a the Mando upgrade. <laughs> yeah, because most teams that are put together are kind of just like, you know, they're all unique in their own way, but ha- sometimes they're not all very skilled in. Um, a certain trait but with this one everyone is crazy experienced they have a history they have a record like everyone on this team is an absolute badass yeah I'm glad that Fennec Shand is living up to her whole name because I felt like that was kind of undersold in uh, her debut it was like oh I'm a sharpshooter so you don't really get to see that because the two main characters in the episode obviously aren't gonna die um so I, I thought that it was awesome that she's like, you know, just murdering fools in, in this episode alongside uh, Cara Dune. It was like really cool to see like two like experts do something so professionally because Mando does everything on his own and he's like completely dead silent while doing it because he's, you know, just a trained killer. But seeing like two people like tactically work together and then when they call him Boba, I was like, this is like a functioning team. This is like so awesome. 
Do you think that Mando's going to split up from Boba and Shan Shand at the end of the episode? I think he will. Like, I think even though he's made more connections and he's had a really good team, I think he's still going to be like, once he gets Grogu back, he's going to be like, this is my, this is my duty to get the child back. So it's not your responsibility anymore. Because Boba even said, you know, our debt is making sure the child is safe and he's not safe right now. So once he's back in Mando's hands, their deal is complete. So then it comes down to, does do Boba and Shand want to continue? I think they're going to go their separate ways, honestly. Uh, the, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, now that you mentioned all of this, I just remembered. Uh, what about the connections he made all the ba- way back in uh, the first episode of this season with Cobb Vance? They said they were going to cross paths again. It doesn't feel like that's going to happen this season because uh, what reason does he have for him? Like with Mayfeld, he was just like, oh, we need you because you're Imperial. And that was it. But yeah. Maybe Mando doesn't cross paths with Cobb Vanth until either next season or we forgot to mention in our Investor Day discussion that the two Mandalorian spinoffs, Ahsoka and the Rangers of the New Republic... Are set in the Mandalorian universe, and then they are going to lead to a big crossover event. All three series will lead to this awesome crossover event. So maybe I hope we get to see them before then. But if not, I feel like we could count on for a big endgame battle in that crossover event where we see Ahsoka, we see whoever's in the new Rangers of the New Republic, and everyone from the Mandalorian in just one big battle event, which will be bonkers i remember we talked about this a few episodes ago um i think it was i mentioned this outer rim war theory that people had with thrawn and now with the announcements yesterday and specifically that announcement of this culmination event that's what it sounds like it's building up to like or moff gideon ends up being the main villain for the entire thing because um it was already kind of spoiled Giancarlo esposito is signed on for season three so He's going to live through whatever happens next episode. So it's going to be interesting if they make Moff Gideon like a big baddie. That's going to be really cool. Wait, what? Giancarlo revealed in an interview that he's actually signed on in The Mandalorian through season four. Because in the interview, he's like, you might see this in season four. So they're like thinking far ahead. Whoa. And also, isn't Jon Favreau pretty much producing these other shows as well? Like, that's what interested me. So, he's creating them with Filoni, too. So, yeah, I, it's clear that it's this interconnected Star Wars universe. Yeah, it's like dream team, too. Yeah, the dream team, the lore junkies. That's why I'm glad that they're getting other writers to do this stuff, too, for more voices. Because, I'm like, I'm telling you, after this episode, I was like, Rick Finn, you were like, I want to see him do more of this stuff because he has an eye for action that I really, really like. Um, because it's very Spielberg. Where it's like you can tell what's going on, yet it still feels fast-paced at the same time. Also, uh, Dave Filoni writing Ahsoka. That's that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I'm just glad that Dave Filoni and John Favreau aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Like honestly, that's my that's my what I'm most excited for. Because I almost had a worry that like after Mandalorian, you know, Clone Wars ended, and then after Bad Batch, so they'd kind of be like, all right we're gonna step away for a little bit but no they're not going anywhere anytime soon disney knows when they've got good people working for them and an interesting tidbit in investor day there's a rumor that longtime disney studio chief alan horn 
might depart the company along with Bob Iger very soon. And that one of the rumors I'm hearing, which don't know how accurate it is because obviously it's a rumor, but that Kathleen Kennedy may become the president of Walt Disney Studios. Whoa. So that would be huge. And that would also, you know what that means? That would leave the door open for a new Lucasfilm president, which you could either go with someone on the business side or, you know, you can go with someone on the creative side. So, you know, Filoni might be able to become his own, like Kevin Feige at Lucasfilm or John Favreau if he wants to take an executive gig. Star Wars God Dave Filoni getting what he deserves. <laughs> he he is the one who will bring balance. <laughs> yeah. President Iger. Just kidding. That, that yeah, that's all the interesting development. Um, but with Dave Filoni specifically, I, I like that he's becoming so mainstream like that that makes me so happy like now everyone knows his name like how i I watched a lot of disney the mandalorians uh, gallery stuff um for season one and they everyone gets to mention dave filoni because it's an episode just about him where they're like talking about dave filoni and like everyone who worked on the show who didn't know who he was knew his name by the end of it because they were like they're like, this guy literally is the guy. Like, he knows everything. And I'm like, uh-huh. He's better George Lucas. He's George Lucas Jr. So, like, <laughs> you listen to him. He-, he knows what's best for Star Wars. Something else is that Investor Day only really talked about what's coming to theaters and Disney+. Plus. They didn't mention the books or the games that are coming out. So we have those shows and movies that are coming out. Those are going to add to the storyline. But there are some games and books that are uh, coming out soon, too, that could also be adding to these storylines. Yeah, there's also a few shows missing. And next year is the 50th anniversary of Lucasfilm. So that is going to be incredible. So I would expect more announcements on everything. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of This is the Waycast. We have one more episode left of this season of The Mandalorian, which means one more episode of This is the Waycast until season three. So be sure to tune in next week for episode eight, chapter 16 of The Mandalorian. And be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you missed any of the coverage from the jam-packed Disney Investor Day, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net and our Twitter at BoardwalkTimes to get caught up on all the news from Disney. For Star Wars content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at BoardwalkTimes.